Welcome to more to come. PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly, Editor of PW Comics World, and Editor of the Fanatic PW's twice a month comics and pop culture newsletter. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the Editor-in-Chief of Comics Beat at comicsbeat.com. And you can check us out on Twitter at at PWComicsWorld. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at PWComicsWorld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on iTunes. And on Facebook, we're at Facebook.com slash PWComicsWorld. And also, don't forget, you can leave us feedback. You can rate us on iTunes. You can leave us a comment. Or you can, new this week, you can email us at, at PWComicsWorld. Oh, no. Pardon me. At it's uh email us at pwcomicsworld at gmail.com okay that didn't come out quite right but anyway we have an email you can email at us so yeah. send us mail let yeah. us know although we love the other forms of feedback because let's be honest folks they also serve as a form of advertising that's correct but um or tweet at us or all sorts of things but then you know give us a piece of your mind please do all right. <laughs> and this week on More to Come, uh, all things Dan Dio, as you could probably imagine. Um, where do we begin? Well, I'll tell you where to begin. It's like uh, we are so eager to get into this, like like this topic. Maybe we should start that, with the actual announcement that, that, that it all where, off. Where Kate and I have cups of hot tea. Like we <laughs> we got tea because we know we'd be talking so much and and we we but fumbling through our normally, uh, you know, we know how to do this podcast, but we've been fumbling through every step of it. Like the, because why? Because we're so so verklempt to talk about the fact that Dan DiDio is finally for real no more at DC Comics. Although I think Dan like. A comic book hero. I mean, it's kind of hard to presume that he's gone That's forever. True. He could <laughs> so, be back. Just saying. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but he, we will see about that. He, he's like the Disney villain who falls off a bridge, but yes. can always be brought back to the direct-to-video sequel. That's yes, you're correct. Right. Yes. So, I mean, well, Heidi, obviously your essay on this uh, was illuminating. And mm, was it? Well, well, I mean, from you know, I, 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 I admit. I mean, I, I have no, you know, DC never respond to any of my inquiries to res- to talk about this. Not surprising. They apparently don't know what they're going to say anyway. Um, so yeah, so uh, in when I it, when I'm in a situation like this, I look to uh, the beat. Well, why I, don't we start at the beginning? Well, we could start at the beginning, but I, I just again, I want to just set the scene, you guys, because you've been listening, you're regular listeners, and and you know. I mean, Kate, I hope I'm not divulging a confidence here by saying when I walked into our recording room and said, oh, boy, this is the big one. And Kate said, this is awesome. (laughs) Okay, listeners, just so you know, some of the awesome is journalistic opportunism. Listen, we know this is an episode you're going to want to listen to, and it's certainly one we want to make because we like to talk. And we have a lot to talk about. Boy, we do. We do. Okay. Well, you know what? I will get started. I knew Dan the longest and um, still know him. He's not dead. Let's uh, point it out. <laughs> yeah. You, you wouldn't know yeah. it from the way people talk on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, he really did he's, get... Uh, he's t- alive and kicking. Yes. He's alive and kicking. So anyway, look, you've heard us on this podcast. We, we started in 2011. It's twenty. It's 2020. So we've been doing this. Is We're in our 10th year. I think it was 2012. No, well, whatever. We've been talking about will Dan DiDio yes. be, ever be gone from DC? 
Comics. He's been rumored to be gone at New York Comic Con 2018 after the Batman's Todger uh, tumult. <laughs> yeah. I was standing Indeed. outside at the Dead Dog Party <laughs> and two very prominent retailers got jumped out of a cab, came running up and said, that's it, Dan DiDio's out. You know, and they're like, what? And, and, you know, like, I have heard this so many times, right? We've heard that he's been gone many times. His contract was up. He wasn't going to renew. And then he did. He's like the Rasputin of comics. He is. And he's been at DC for 18 years. But last Friday, uh, February, uh, was it the 14th? No, no, no. The 21st. The 21st, right. Yeah. Uh, we were all peacefully going about our business. And then suddenly on my slack for the beat, somebody jumped in and said, Didio's been fired or let go and then i looked and comicbook.com had it first let's say yeah, and okay. hollywood reporter yeah. and uh confirming that you texted me on the f train That's yes I, I did that i was, did yeah, I, I was, was underground when i got the news i was at my office for my other job finishing up for the week getting everything tidied away packing up thinking about my bus ticket and suddenly a text chain, <laughs> a wild text chain. I know it appears. <laughs> and oh, it was my. one of those. Where were you where with Dan DiDio? Yeah. You know, took that long walk uh, down the hall. Yes, yeah, <laughs> man. Well, well, when I told my mother, she was like, "Oh no, don't tell me it happened in between when you recorded and when you put the episode out." And I was like, "No, mom, it happened after we put <laughs> yeah. the episode out." My God! Even your mother is worried about her recording schedule. So, okay, I, it's 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 it, again. You know, as I wrote, I think the lead of my piece that I wrote uh, for I wrote a a much longer. Uh, you know, I wrote, broke the news uh, in a then, shorter piece. A shorter piece, but then on Monday piece. I had a, I had to, over the weekend to ruminate and wrote, wrote a much longer piece. But uh, as I think I said, this was both shocking and long expected. It's like just everybody knew, but the guy had nine lives. And, you know, look, let me, get, let's get the good stuff out of the way first. Uh, well, Dan DiDio, well, I just want to say this. You know, Dan, yeah. I've known him before he was at DC. I worked with him at DC. Um, you know, we never interacted very much during my brief tenure at DC, but, uh, you know, afterwards, uh, we had a bit of a, uh, uh, you know, uh, we, we definitely, you know, tweaked each other professionally, but personally, he was always very kind to me, very friendly, and he was a big-hearted guy. You know, all these outpourings of friendship for him, 100% genuine. He had a very uh, big heart. He was a great friend to people. Um, he had a vision. Uh, a lot of people didn't agree with the vision, but he always had an idea. And, I, you know, as one person told me, you know, to replace Dan, you're going to need three people. You're going to need an editor. You're going pu- to need a publisher who can actually run the company. You're going to need someone who could be the face of the company to the fans yeah. who goes because he was Because he was good at that. He was great at it. You and know. he talked to fans individually. He was on panels constantly, uh, worked with creators. I and mean, him and Jim Lead, I mean, they did yes. kind of put together a kind of little vaudeville show yes. of like uh, backslapping and bad jokes that kind of worked, yeah. you know? And I, but I, just to finish up, you know, the other thing that Dan did was he talked to retailers. Like, he was yeah. also always on the retailer, the private retailer forums talking about DC Comics. So he was, you know, soup to nuts. You got soup to nuts with this guy. Now, yeah. Was it good all the time? No, it wasn't. And a lot of people disagreed with it. But I will say, he stepped up, he stepped up to the plate, and he, he you know, it was his ball game. He said, my way or the highway. He was very much a micromanager, and but, you know, he was incredibly energetic, and he stepped up to the plate, and he did it. However, I'll leave it <laughs> okay, at that. But no, but before I, but this, I'm also going to put my caveats in here. First thing I want to say is, I don't know him personally. I really don't. 
And nothing I say is about him as a human being in a non-professional capacity. Yeah, yeah that's very I, important. To I point wish out. him all the best in his life. I hope he finds a, another good, rewarding job in. Um, you know, none of this is is personal to him as a human being because I I don't know him as a human being. Um, and so, please, nobody come at me about this. I'm I'm not talking about him as a person. I'm talking from the outside as someone who is not inside DC during his tenure as a fan and as a journalistic type person outside of the inner sanctum. As an industry observer. As an industry observer and as a fan observer. Mm -hmm. Not as someone who actually was there. Or has any inside access to any inside scoops except for those that you yourselves listener can Listeners can hear on this podcast from Heidi. <laughs> okay. Caveat's done. And also, I want to say that when I criticize things, I'm not saying everything that came out of D.C. during his tenure was bad. I have enjoyed many comics that have come out during this time, and I'm sure he had a hand in them, as witness the micromanaging. Okay. Well, just to give a little more background, um, over the last few months, you've heard us talking about this 5G thing, yeah. and nobody really knew if it was real, but it was real, and uh, this was to be the, the next, the latest crisis, or as one person told me, it looked like it was going to be a crisis followed by a reboot, and uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> do I scream now or later? I know, <laughs> right? So... um so, and, and then somebody else said it looked like it was going to be a mix of a high, of hyper time and a crisis. And then, I, I uh, there was a relaunch. So, so we don't know. I haven't, uh, like this, this was a big shock to people at DC. You know, I talked to a bunch of folks and nobody woke up on Friday, February 21st and said, I bet Dan's going to get let go today. Um, it however, it was out of the blue. However, mm-hmm. I do, my, my spidey Heidi sense is telling me this was also during the Comics Pro yes. event with retailers. And, um, Vince Lotario and Adam Phillips were at, um, the, the Comics Pro and, and they didn't know that, uh, that they, they found out when they read about it online. So that was a bit of a shocker for them. And they went ahead and did their 5G presentation. But I think the point is that, you know, 5G was Dan's thing, and apparently behind the scenes there was just a ton of changes and, you know, reboots of the reboot, and nobody really knew what was going on. And if they were to, if they were to strangle 5G in its crib, at Comics Pro was a good place to, uh, to grab the pillow. <laughs> okay, so something is going Ding. Like somebody's got some kind of background notification. That was my iPad and I turned it down. Okay, good. I just want to make sure that we stopped having little yes. dings. Thank yes. you. Okay. Continue. Um, so, uh, however, it is my understanding that there had been increasing, uh, anxiety about 5G on both, at both DC, under Dan, and probably over Dan, although who that is exactly I'm not sure other than Pam Lifford, because usually there's a they, but I, I haven't really heard of any, any names for the days. And, um, but 
Uh, there was also just a lot of complaints. Uh, Dan was always a very uh, abrasive person and micromanaging, ch- mercurial, changing his mind a lot. And my understanding is that there were a lot of complaints about him. And uh, it all just kind of came together. And uh, I- I'm not sure that he was fired. You know, it might have been, uh, you can't fire me, I quit. But I think on, on that morning, it was, um, you know, our our um, our time has come to an end. So... I didn't do it. Uh, okay, it's fine. Um, listeners, if you're wondering why we're cackling, we're, <laughs> we have we have too many electronic devices in this room, and when we get one of them to stop making notification sounds at us, <laughs> another one starts. I'm just telling you, this this episode of the podcast is cursed. It's, it's like it, every single thing that has never gone wrong with it, this podcast is, like, is happening. Dan Dio yes. has sent a voodoo, he has a voodoo doll, <laughs> more is, to come. It, yeah, and he's, it, it is. <laughs> You okay. don't, you don't even know how many technical difficulties we had okay. in anyway. this episode. Okay. So anyway, as I said, a lot of things came together and they ended with Dan Dio's departure from yeah. DC Comics. Yeah. But one thing that Calvin was bringing up to me earlier is that while indeed no one was expecting it and it was rather shocking, um, Dan actually had a very long tenure in a position such as he I mean, had. And, and, and as Heidi said before, endlessly controversial. On the one hand, um, but I mean, the, you know, his, first of all, I have the greatest admiration for him because anybody that can keep, uh, and make sense of the kaleidoscopic world of DC continuity, make sense of it all, come up with storylines spread across a just an ever, uh, changing, undulating, and, and gymnastically rearranged, uh, group of writers, artists, uh, uh, not to mention trying to satisfy the expe- expectations of a fractured marketplace that hates you one minute and sort of will tolerate you the next. So I, I don't know how he was able to do it and stay in that position for so long. Uh, my own encounters with him were always incredibly professional and uh, engaging. Um, he He seemed to get the book market while not I mean, I really saw him as a comics guy in the classic comic sense, American Every Wednesday comics. Um, and yet he seemed to have an understanding uh, that the bread and butter was not always going to be coming out of the direct market. Direct market wasn't going away. Um, uh, both he and Jim Lee were always available to me uh, for any kind of uh, talk for launching new things in the book world. And certainly I think one of his if if indeed he was responsible for it, and it's hard to imagine that he wasn't, uh, didn't have some hand in it, DC Young Readers uh, and Superhero Girls, which were these kind of mammoth initiatives uh, that I think are paying off yeah. tremendously. I'm, I'm not sure he actually had something to do with DC Superhero Girls. That seems to have come out of the marketing wing, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I and I say, could be too. I think it's fair to say that um, they might not have been things that Dan came up with, yeah. but he certainly didn't stand in their way. And he yeah. certainly yeah, supported them after they came out. And I think, you know, I mean, I talk about Kremlinology here quite a bit. And I think if you read, uh, you know, followed interviews with Dan uh, over the last few years you could see him really like you say Calvin he certainly understood that the the book market was very important yeah. it wasn't his thing he loved yeah. periodical comics but but he was smart enough to know that this is not something that you you know you you, met, you ignored of course and uh, at DC Black Label mm-hmm. uh, has kind of come on even though they don't have imprints anymore you know it's a label not an imprint 
I'm Such rolling a my eyes. I'm rolling my eyes. And, uh, you know, it was being very successful. The books that were coming out under that black label were very successful. And mm. Dan absolutely was a huge proponent yeah. of black label. You know, I think a lot of this, and, and I haven't, I mean, I'll just tell you. I mean, it's like my phone, and do you think the dinging that you hear now is something? It's like every day this week, I'll wake up. And my phone is dinging and it's like messenger or chat mm-hmm. or texting or, you know, all these different things that people are, 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 you know, starting to tell me stuff and like, you know, did you hear this or what about blah? I, I mean, it's just been an outpouring of, of, uh, you know, mixed feelings, uh, mixed. Well, just, you know, viewpoints or just they, yeah. some people just wanted to tell me things like, mm-hmm. you know, like they had to get it off their chest, really. Um, but, um, you know, people's, this is a huge, huge, huge thing. Dan was at DC for 18 years and he ran it since 2011, but he really was the editorial. I think he was the VP of editorial mm. before that from like yeah. about 2015 mm. on. So he's really. And he's, he's had his hand on the tiller longer than that. Absolutely. Well, no, no, no. I'd say about 15 years. I'd say about 15 years. Yeah. Because and so then that would be. 2005, not 2000. Oh yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Because I, we are I, not in the 2030s yes, yet. Yes, Heidi. yes, you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm misremembering my, my decades here. But yeah, I'd say 2005. But I, I so I wrote this piece for the beat where I kind of looked at all the crises, mm, starting yeah. with identity crisis, and then there was infinite crisis, and then there was final crisis. Oh well, there was countdown to final crisis, and then there was 52, and then there was the new 52, and then there was Bloodhaven crisis of the return to the final. I don't know. I mean there was the colon uh, comics remember the colon comics and then there was the new 52 so that was 2011 and then there was re- rebirth right a flashpoint rebirth well i read the, about the this and i i i was boning <laughs> up on my history yeah. and uh you know so this 5g you know dan we talked about the charts kate did you look at those charts that he had in his office <sighs> listeners <laughs> you, well it takes listeners, a chart that makes sense they they make you know the the gif you see many times on the internet. You mean the gif, but yes, continue. No, I mean gif because I pronounce things that are that are abbreviations for word for collections of words that begin with the word graphic correctly. Anyway, that um, we have our different opinions. It's okay. I won't say fair poll either. So no. I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Go inside yeah. baseball. But go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'll never say it. The, the popular gif of a man with a pile of red string and push pins and pictures <laughs> looking wildly crazed. It makes that look positively sane and uncomplicated compared to this morass of comics crazy town. <laughs> um, so, so listeners, I'm, I'm gonna, if you don't know my tastes, I'm going to tell you right now that I read a hell of a lot of DC Comics, and I still consider myself a DC Comics girl, um, pre-40 million different crises. And after that, I kept reading, although the less any book had to do with the crises, the more I liked it, because I did not have the time or patience to read 47 different books. Um, so, you know, I'm used to complicated continuity, right? Like, I get it. I don't mind it. I don't 
care that there was a period where someone was time traveling <laughs> or when someone was replaced by their alternate universe self. I'm into science fiction. I can handle it. But weirdly enough, I've found that all of these crises, which are designed to simplify things, have actually made the continuity of what's in continuity and what's out of continuity and what happened in what order even more confusing. So that I, a literal professional at trying to figure out what the hell is going on in comics, have given up. (laughs) I've just given up. I'm not saying I don't read them. I'm just saying... I have gone back to the, it's all a giant candy bowl, anything you want to have happened, happened, anything you don't want to have happened, didn't happen approach. (laughs) And I've stopped thinking (laughs) about it and trying to figure out what is currently officially in canon anymore, because I I genuinely don't know. So, so Kate, are you not a believe in hypertime? Well, I guess this kind of is hypertime is, now, isn't it? It is Do our listeners know what hypertime is? So let me tell you, like, when I worked at DC, which again was 20 years ago and, uh, very brief time, I was in the DCU for a year, just a bit more than a year, and, uh, everybody, my fellow editors, I didn't work on the DC, I wasn't allowed to, because girls weren't allowed to edit the superhero comics, but, um, whole other they issue were, here. yeah, whole other <laughs> issue, but, uh, they were, uh, my fellow editors, my colleagues were always talking about hypertime. So one time I said, what is this hypertime? And they're like, I've said, is this a storyline? And they're like, no, no, it's, it's, it's just this it's idea that, what concept that we have that everything <laughs> is real. I said, so, so, so is there, where'd you talk about this? Is no, 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 we don't talk about it in the stories. It's just what we have. <laughs> it's like Fight Club. For what we have behind <laughs> the scenes. Rules. It's just an edit. So it's a policy. It's not policy. A, it's a policy. Basically, it. it means. It's like Fight Club. We don't talk about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, it's, 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 hypertime is really almost more of a doylian concept than a watchman. <laughs> oh, now we're, we're talking about drilling down. So, so uh, Watsonian is in-universe. Doylian is what the writers tell each other mm-hmm. behind the scenes. Um, or what the fans talk to each other yeah. about in reality. Um, so, yeah. Like, I... I'm fine with that if that's the official policy, but they keep making it more and more complex and harder to understand with all of these crises that are supposed to make it simpler. You know, I'm trying to find. I mean, in some ways, hypertime is a relatively easier way to understand. Hypertime is on. just easier. It's just like don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. hypertime <laughs> means stretch don't it worry out. About you know, like, you just your mind will. Your mind will figure we'll it make, out. We'll make make right. it right. Use what you want to use. Don't use what you don't want to yeah. use. Don't worry about it too hard. And the hard. fans understand that we're you know we're we're trying to work with generational old you know with yes. multiple generations of characters. So, so the era in which I actually wasn't go, uh, being deeply frustrated by forty million crises at once um, was very hyper time heavy <laughs> and it worked I was just like okay cool if if we're going with it we're going with it if we're not going with it we're not going with it I like hyper time it makes my life easier as a fan I get it it's fine we don't worry about what year it said on a newspaper we understand that it all collapses into a timeline we don't that's think about a, it too hard relative. Right it's yeah. relative hand yeah. wave hand wave it's relative yeah this need to make everything neatly fall within a precise time frame 
It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, and they always explain it as, "Oh, we're making it easier for the no, new." No, they're fans. not making it, <laughs> and easier they're not for making it no, easier but, for the new. But fans. you know, I didn't even ever think about this. I mean, I'm sure there's p- other people have read about it, but I didn't think about it until I wrote my uh, essay on all these crises. But that Marvel and DC both have, you know, it's kind of like original sin. Mm-hmm. You know, Stan didn't have any memory, so he didn't care. So he was just like, whatever. You know, if somebody said, "But me, bit of Mariner had red pants," he would just say. In a footnote, like you know, just Submariner changed his pants to green. <laughs> uh, um, and so, and Marvel, as I said, was like Jane Fonda. It's a nip tuck here and a tuck yeah, there, yeah. and you know, she looks yeah. great for eighty. Yeah, yeah. So, whereas at DC, Julia Schwartz started out with, "Oh, how do we make this? Oh, there's Earth One, there's Earth Two. So it's so it's original sin. It's right from the get go. It's never stopped. Yeah, and, but it's gotten more intense. Yes. Well, I'm worried for Marvel with this whole notion of, of moving up all the wars and all of that. You know, I mean, it's not quite the same, but but it's it's like they've caught DC's disease. But yeah, think, that's my point. But I think I yeah. honestly, I think that's a little bit different because yeah, it's it relative is. to the real world. It's like yeah. if you say that that. You know, the Punisher was in Vietnam. Well, guess what? Vietnam was 50 years yeah. ago. So right. the Punisher must be 70 years old. So right. I, so I think that they're, I think they're unsticking things in time, relative time. And I, I don't, I think it's, I think it's more Jane Fonda stuff, you know? Well, they're just, yeah. but I, well, okay. I honestly think it's part of what makes Marvel Marvel is that they set things in real cities. They yep. set things in real places. They mention real wars. And suddenly replacing everything with fake with ones made up wars, yeah, was, yeah, that's part of the deal is too. doesn't really fit very well with their aesthetic. And you know, so Marvel places their stories in the real world, and yet they don't care about hypertime. Interesting. They Interesting. handle it by, in a weird way, being more hypertime than the most hypertimey. <laughs> They are so hyper-timey. Hyper-timey, why me? It's, it's zen, right? Like, they don't even think about it. Um, and, yeah. So, well, there were definitely some crises that were less confusing than others. And more successful than others. Um, I do think New 52 and Rebirth both were more read more publicized and more understood than the many, many crises that came before and after. Um, you know, well, I, I mean, it. even as a as a comics fan who is very hyper-timey, who doesn't get too head up about continuity, who is open to new directions, I have to say, it stopped me from reading a lot of books. Yeah, so just to kind of... to to. to jump into this a little bit more like supposedly what was going to happen in 5g was the like batman superman wonder woman green lantern flash you know all the heroes you know and love were going to go the old versions were going to go away like some you know uh like i I don't know if they're going to be hard to imagine that but yes yeah well but i'm sure well Marvel did it, and yeah. they got a lot of shit. And then yeah, right. they brought it back. And then they brought it back. I yeah. mean, of course they're going to have it back, but they were going to introduce all these new, young versions of the heroes right. to take over. And you know what? Like, uh, honestly, in, in abstract, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Like, you, maybe if you did it all at once, maybe that's not the best thing. Yeah, doing it all at once is not the and best. I, I want to read this, because I, I, you know, talking about the confusion over this... Um, like, I'm trying to find information about what, like, they launched this Generation Zero thing, but then there was going to be five generation specials, right. and there was Generation One, Age of Mysteries, up to, I, I can't even find it, but, um, 
Uh, but I, I did, I've been Googling for it for the last 10 minutes while, while, <laughs> you know, but I found it generated. It, I want, just want to read this because this is the most dandidia thing I've ever read in my life. A series of one shots with exposed secrets of DC's history, such as what was the previously undocumented big bang of the age of mysteries? Which character truly ushers in the dawn of superheroes inspiring all the rest? What was the real reason behind the Justice Society of America's retirement. Which Golden Age hero will become history's greatest villain? What contentious alliance kept the Wayne family dynasty alive after Thomas and Martha's deaths? Who are the new, never-before-seen wildcards that will be instrumental in fashioning DC's push to the future? You cannot imagine how much I am rolling my eyes right now. <laughs> what? That doesn't excite you? Well, it, it fills me with a giant pile of I don't care, because any one of these on their own might be an interesting story, but it has that feel of doing too much at once to focus or dig down on any one of these things which could have been interesting. Well, this is the universe of, you know, uh, hyper-promoted, uh, you know, galactic change that seems to be coming around like every other year. Um, so it, it gets to be just a, a, a certain resent, resistance yeah. to yet another, you know, corkscrewing of all of the right. story, so, uh, story just lines. I'm, I'm going to read what else was said about these generation specials because I think we we have here kind of the forward-facing. These five books will have the answer to these questions, setting up DC's boldest storylines ever while laying the groundwork for more excitement to come. The five generations issues will feature a who's who of creative talent. I'll remember that, what I just said, who's who. The overarching story by Brian Michael Bendis, Dan Jorgens, Andy Schmidt, Robert Venditti, and Joshua Williams. Illustrated by artists including Doug Monkey, Brian Hitch, Michael Janin, Ivan Rice, David Marquez, and more. Uh, Generation One Age of Mystery, scripted by Andy Schmidt, with lead art by Doug Monkey. And then was to become Age of the Made a Human, Generation Three Age of Crisis. Yes, we're in that now. Generation Four Age of Rebirth, and Generation Five Age of Tomorrow. Um, so I just so the first one's being written by Andy Schmidt. Now, do you guys know who that is? I Guys, don't I have no idea. Right, so that's a who's who. Okay, yeah. who is who? <laughs> who literally? Who is who? Who is Andy Schmidt? I mean, I wish him all the best. I just have no idea yeah, who know. he is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. Uh, so another aspect of this that um, a, a one website has been talking about, but I actually also had intimations of this that I hadn't been able to put together until some of this stuff is coming out. Was that um, so? DC's main line. Some of the regular writers who had been around for quite a while are being kind of said, hit the road. Uh, some want nothing to do with 5G because they think it's really dumb. Um, and um, so, but then I think Dan's idea was to bring in a bunch of people who are kind of like TV writers or kind of from outside and to have them work on some of these generational, you know, history's greatest villain or whatever. Um, so I, I call this like the Jeff King maneuver. You, does anyone remember Jeff King? Who? No, you don't remember Jeff King? No. Well, he wrote Convergence. Kate, how did oh. you not remember him? Oh. <laughs> so, uh, I'm a lap superhero fan, but I jump into it whenever well, I, I can. I so will say this. That's, where my, with, with <laughs> that's con- my excuse. With Convergence, I loved all the little mini spinoff books that gave you like a one-issue taste of eras of comics which had been put away. And mm-hmm. that was fun, right? Mm-hmm. But the in, the the central storyline mm-hmm. was, 
I didn't care. So uh, just to point out, this was another event that was kind of a a interregnum event, I guess, because mm. it was kind of made while DC was moving to the West Coast, which we should return to, right. by the well, way. This was just before uh, the- Rebirth. Right? That's right. Yeah. It just came before Rebirth. Yeah, it's yeah. very good, Calvin. Yeah, no, well, I read it. I read a chunk of but, it. Yeah. So anyway, well, so I liked Jeff, a lot of the mini issues. Yeah, so Jeff King the... was a, is a TV writer. Yeah, I, I forget what shows name. he worked on, but like, um, I should Google them. But anyway, uh, he's like Canadian. He was Canadian, so hmm. we're talking a lot. Anyway, he was bought in to write this convergence. And a uh, very nice guy. I was at a con with him. We did a few panels together. Very nice. We were talking. Uh, yeah, and where is Jeff King now? Okay, so any more television shows? Yeah, I guess maybe. I don't know, but uh, I'm just saying it's like like there's this like you know like one thing Dan DiDio did was uh, you know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and hoping for a different result. <laughs> like he went through these cycles. It wasn't just you know a crisis followed by a reboot. It was uh, you know bringing in these outside writers, and we've seen this happen before. And you know, I mean, Godspeed. Uh, but it didn't really, you know, Andy Schmidt, I mean, listen, nothing against Andy Schmidt. He's a former editor at Marvel. He's a former editor at IDW and he runs comics experience, uh, not the comic shop, but the, uh, learning institute. Like he teaches writing comics and stuff. So he's actually, you know, he is pretty well known. I mean, again, no offense to Andy. Uh, I would say there's not one person who's going to run to the shop and say, is there a new comic by Andy Schmidt out this week? Uh, I need to buy it. Okay. Um, so, so we're seeing, so, so, okay, so now I'm going to give you some dirt. You want some dirt, you well, guys? We always want some dirt, because you, well, you've got the best dirt. Be- before we get to <laughs> the yes, dirt. Yes, yes, All right. Can I, I, I have been like mm. biding my time mm. because I don't want to jump in on you talking. Okay, go ahead. I go have ahead. thoughts too. Okay, go, 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 go. Okay, here are my thoughts. My thoughts are, I don't have a problem with occasionally having a universe shakeup. Even if maybe you don't want to disrupt all your timelines, but you know, stylistic shakeups, whatever. But I feel like you need time between them to settle out, to give comics time to catch their breath, tell a few stories, to get to know each incarnation of it. Let it come to its natural end. See see what it's like. Give it at least a year or two to run before you throw the deck of cards up in the air again and reshuffle everything. Like, just give us enough time with each series to give it a chance for people to read it, get a couple storylines done before you make a completely new normal. And also, well, certainly bringing in a temporary replacement for a major hero is something you can do. You tend to get less kickback from fans if you don't do it to all the major heroes all at once. Like, for example... If you merely replace Thor with Hercules for a couple years and let everyone know Thor's fine, he's fine, he'll come back, <laughs> then, you know, and, but still they can, they can read Captain America and Iron Man and those are normal. And then you should, you know, if you stagger it around a bit, it feels more special and it freaks people out less. So, you know, I'm not somebody who's like, it always has to stay the same. I'm just saying like, constant constant change so that people don't even know what they're looking at or what they're reading and it's hard to get new fans in because you know people say oh this change up will get new fans in but part of what makes new fans is people who work at comic shops people who are other fans people who maybe even when they're introducing a comic to other comic fans who just haven't read this comic yet for someone to be able to explain what the hell it is and say, oh, here's a good couple graphic novels of it, which you can't do if nothing 
ever has any period of status quo. Yeah. Well, the, this isn't the dirt I was going to drop. But, yes. Um, but I will say, like, uh, I did, um, you know, Dan and Jim did an interview with ICV2 last summer. I don't know. if When's the last time you talked to them, Kelvin? Because you, you um, got to do Meet the, the I mean, I guess the last time must have been... They did the San Diego. We were, did they? They didn't have the breakfast this no, past. They, didn't they didn't have, have the, breakfast. the breakfast. No, everything was changed with the new booth and all that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so the, the, um, everybody was just drinking every night at Roy's. So yeah, that's right. So we didn't have because usually there is the um, the breakfast press conference at San Diego. So I'd have to say um, I have you know because I I haven't done a focus on them though I have been writing about. A lot of the the DC Young Reader graphic novels. So I haven't actually talked with Jim in it's probably like over a year. Right. Well, uh, if you read this this interview they did with Milton Greep, because he talks to all the top publishers at yeah, San Diego, does, and uh, you can see uh, it's it's you know I mean I can't think of anyone more you know optimistic and forward facing than Jim Lee or anyone more energetic than Dan DiDio, and even on the paper you can see they're both kind of like oh well digital is really you know dead and. Um, you know, our graphic novel, and then Dan was talking about how DC's graphic novel program is really in the crapper. And, you know, their sales plummeted in mm-hmm. 2018. Now, uh, spoiler, I just got the book scan numbers, which I'm NDA'd. I can't tell you what they are. Uh, but Brian Hibbs will be doing his analysis, so we will be seeing if they're up. But I have to believe DC Superhero Girls improved them. Uh, but, yeah. but, uh, you know what? Re- like, New 52 and Rebirth, like uh the comics coming out of that did not have strong mm. bookstore um yeah. you know life uh books book I think shelf, the young adult stuff the young stuff stuff does and is, so does black label yeah. so i mean it's coming back but it took a big dip and i think that's what you were talking about there Kate. people didn't want to read these stories or even well, even even not just that people didn't want to read it is that part of what gives comic books Legs and time and things that people want to go back and read is that there's time to build up a fan base. There's time for word of mouth. There's time for someone to read six issues, read a storyline, say, hey, that was awesome, and tell someone else about it. But you need that comic to still exist when they tell someone else about it. And, you know... It's very hard to get someone to read something. I know because I've tried. If you say, this book is awesome, you should read it, blah, blah, blah. And someone goes like, oh, can I pick it up on the stand? And you go, well, they discontinued that comic and the character's now a vampire. But you should read it anyway. Um, it, it just, it just is a harder sell. You need some time for something to build up a fan base before you destroy it. In order to ever have people read your back catalog, you know, Kate, we've known you. Know we've been working with you for more than ten years. You were the, you know, the kicky young intern when you first started. That's right. Now you, you know, we watched you grow up quite a bit. Um, Calvin and I are older than you. Unfortunately, <laughs> I guess what I'm getting at is that all of us have that, you know, that perfect. You know, island in our mind of when it was right. No, I, I don't. I and don't I, actually... I, 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 but I know I'm not saying you do. I'm saying I think a lot of the people at running Marvel and DC and running a lot of the comics yeah, companies are older than you and are you know they're my age and they have this perfect island that they're trying to get back to all the time. And yeah. I think that's what you're talking right. about. I, the problem is that 
well, I mean, you have your perfect island too, but you don't run DC Comics. So. Well, actually, in my opinion, okay. So I think that more people who are multimedia fans who have consumed things in different forms and can hold in their head the idea that there are different Iron Mans and diff, you know, and it's okay for there to be this new one that's a little different so they don't need, feel the need to go back in and fix it. Would, is good, right? But unfortunately, with, I mean, this is all from the perspective of an outsider. But when you see, you just get this feeling of you're like, this editor thinks this era was the best. And this editor feels that era was the best. And there's all this yo-yoing of doing and undoing and redoing and undoing and redoing and undoing. And you're just like, guys, just chill. Well, I, I mean, I've said this before. I, I just think at some point it, it, it it's gotten to the be that modern comics publishing has to have a constant end. I mean, I'm not saying that this is the best way to do it, but this is what I'm perceiving, at least for DC, that there's got to be a constant revamping of whatever is being well, a crisis yeah. followed I, by a I, reboot. I think that they, I mean, I, I, they, I mean, there is this traditional decline in sales or or spike in sales followed by a decline in sales. Yeah. And I, 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 I always wondered, is, is there some VP there that's decided, well, as soon as they start declining, we have to reboot everything well, again. I think that would have been Dan. Yeah. You know, idea. Um, and uh, it, like everything else in this world we live in, everything is speeded up. Yeah. And, and that process that you're talking about where you're allowed to sort of marinate in something, it's just gotten shorter and shorter and shorter. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think... Let's put this way. One thing I'm not a big fan of is changing every single title all at once. Just because. All the time. Like, if a title's not working, sure, change it. But if you think, okay, I've got a event horizon where if I have enough titles that aren't working, I might as well just throw all the titles in the toilet, you lose a lot that way. Yeah, you know, but I, I look, I have to say, though, you know the new Fifty Two really worked. It, now I'm yeah. not saying the books. Let me just let me just finish because I'm not saying like all the books were great because they certainly weren't. No. Remember how but. we ed- read them all, yeah. we reviewed yeah. them all, we did a. It I was mean, an we, exciting we, time. It was exciting. Yeah, it was but exciting. What made it exciting is it seemed like an event. Yes, it, it did. Seemed. Go ahead, sure, please. It seemed special. Yes, it seemed but, special. But <laughs> I thought I was special. But. The problem is that if you do it too often, it doesn't yeah, feel no, special. That's right. No, it doesn't feel so, special. And, and one other if thing about the new 52. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So if you stagger as your big event, universe-changing events, with other ones that don't change the universe but are exciting in some way, like aliens invade. So every issue has everyone dealing with the alien invaders, right? Or I don't know. Um, a superhero version of coronavirus. I don't know. Some event that doesn't change the whole universe, but is very exciting and unifying. You alternate that with the universe changers, while meanwhile revamping whatever titles don't work. You give enough time to make that equivalent of a rebirth or whatever, or a, a new 52 every five or ten years, feel more special and people care. So, you know, the reality of this is that, I mean, I've said this many times, uh, is that you have a line of, you know, 60 comics that DC publishes every month, 60, 70. What they've cut down, by the way, they do fewer now. Good, um, because they and, had too many. Yes, they do. And, you know, some of them sell 20,000 copies. Like, like the the top ones sell like 80, 90,000, up to 100,000 maybe, but it's 
it's like the business model is actually based on hooking you so that you have to read all 52, all mm-hmm. 60, however, you know, and that's actually their business. That has been the business models because it's a declining format and they're trying to hook people into this web. And you yeah. know what? Look, I get it. I mean, it's fun. It's like the MCU. Kevin Feige yeah. did it with $100 million movies. But it's, you know, whatever happened. Now I'm going to go back to my perfect island. Whatever happened to just giving a great writer and a great artist some time to do the comic. And then you got like a comic that everybody wanted to read. Like, yep. say, and you uh, know, it Mr. Still Miracle. Or even, you know what? Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo on right. Batman. That was a great run. And Yep. So, I mean, and there have been events that allow you to do that. Like, for example, Aliens Invade or Superhero Coronavirus or whatever. It is possible to have a happy medium, to have events that will show up in every comic, but that don't completely destroy a run. Yeah. Well, when I was a kid, which is a long time ago, (laughs) and you read the Marvel comics, and then Jim Shooter was the one who said, oh, we're going to have this big event that's going to be in all the comics. And I was so excited. Oh, my God. It was so cool. The first time it happens is great. And then there's never another first time. No. No. Yeah, you, you know? know, and then the best that can happen is the Mandalorian, where you get a baby Yoda. No, but I'm just saying, it's like you can take these old ideas and you can give them a fresh sure. coat of paint and a new spin and a new character and a new robot and you suddenly, everybody's in love again. But yeah. it's not, that's not what we've seen from DC. So, yeah. I, I, well, there, and there are the equivalent of, of the Mandalorian. You know, you get the Tom King run or the whatever run, and there's a good run. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not into Green Lantern, but, uh, some people really like Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp. I think Liam's yeah. art yeah. on that is amazing. Well, you some know? people are loving the N.K. Jemison book. Yeah, for it. absolutely. You know, so, so. Hey, I liked, I liked Young Animal. But, you so, know. So, you know, some people like, um, some people like of some it. of the Bendis books. So, you know, the point is, there actually is good stuff being done at DC. Yeah, and I actually, I like the Bendis books. Yeah, but know. the, but the, that this looming crisis, um, you know, and I mean, I, I mean, I think we still, <laughs> even again. though it's been a year, <laughs> I mean, a year, I, boy, that was the best Freudian slip of all time. It's only <laughs> been a week, but it seems like a year. <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, I'm off to C2E2 tomorrow. Uh, which will be the first, you know, widespread industry gathering since this happened. And, and uh, so there was, here's a little uh, scoop for you, or a little, uh, you know, tea. Uh, there was going to be a meet the publishers panel. And I'll tell you, on Wednesday of last week, uh, DC PR people were saying, don't you want to talk to Dan DiDio and Jim Lee at C2E2 on Wednesday? Yeah. And I was going to write back and say, yeah, yeah I do. Yeah. And uh, then... I was yeah. like, oh, I guess that's not happening. Anyway, so there was going to be a Meet the Publishers panel with Dan and Jim, as there is. A, a, the, yeah. sh- mm-hmm. And then it was taken. It was just Jim. And now it's been canceled entirely, which I think is a very good idea. Yeah, cause, yeah. I mean, you'd be hanging Jim out the dry there. Yeah, but he does have a spotlight panel. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. we'll see if, he should, if he's there, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Well, um, he has to be. He's like the guest of honor. Oh, so he's got to show yeah. up. All but right. events aren't the only criticism that Dan DiDio has come under. Um there's been, I mean, sometimes you're the captain of the ship, and there's been a certain amount of pushback from a feminist perspective. Now, Heidi, you may know more than I do about certain sexual harassment 
problems at DC? Uh, I mean, we've talked about Eddie Berganza here enough times. Yes, so, but, but I don't know was... about the other ones, but I guess there are a lot of other ones. Well, That's all I've we... heard. Um, yeah, well, I mean, listen, the controversies of the Dan DiDio era are legion. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest is Eddie Berganza. We've certainly talked about that here on this podcast many times. But, um, you know, he was uh, accused of sexual harassment by his uh, co-workers, a very well-documented, absolutely, things that happened. He was reprimanded. He did go to training um, and uh, was retained. And a lot of people felt that his, uh, the, what had actually happened was so egregious that he should be let go. And then for a time, it was, I, I didn't believe this when I first heard it, but, um, uh, they said that no women were allowed to work in the Superman office that was run by Eddie Berganza. So that's, that's pretty <laughs> that's crazy. Kind of a crazy. That's, way to run that's business, pretty. But, but there's some women did true. actually yeah. work. It, well, I was told it. Was I, I, yeah, I, I, really, no, there I was read it in different places people. as well. Yeah. But it's really kind of crazy. Yeah. So, you know, um, there's, listen, uh, when this era is really, like when the true story of this era is really analyzed, uh, you are just, it's got to knock your socks off. Cause I mean, just the, some of the stories that I've heard, are so incredible and so dramatic that I, you know, you can't believe some of this stuff just defies credulity. But I know, you know, I the people telling me are not exaggerating. I I know that that these things actually happened. So so there's probably a hell of a comics memoir in there. Somewhere. Well, there is, and um. You know, there's, there is more to come on this story. You know, we <laughs> haven't even least. talked about, like, what is going to happen to 5G or what is going to happen. Will they or, hire another publisher? Yeah. Is there any, anybody out there whose name has been mentioned? Or well, who there's would be, a lot of would, names. I'm sure. Have you heard Sonny Kelvin? No. Yeah. Not, and, not, I mean, this isn't really, I mean, you know, you know, my, my work around the big two is, is usually really about how they penetrate the book market. And I'm a little fuzzy on others. I really rely on your reporting, you know, and other, and because that, that's, it's not my bag and it's hard for me to follow the machinations that are constantly going on. Uh, but you know, I peek my nose in there where I can. Uh, and usually it's around the book trade and what's going on and whether they're trying to, you know, get something out there or not. And DC actually, has been dynamic in that area, so uh, so I've had more vocation to talk with Dan and and, and Jim about that part. of Yeah, the but I mean, you know, certainly that but is. But I a haven't big much part heard anything. It's a big part of their portfolio. So, yeah, you know. Um. So, but uh, but 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 this is so sudden, and uh, you know, sudden it, and yet not sudden. It, well, once again, he's been there so long, and on the one hand, you wonder how is he still there, and the other hand. Who's going to replace him? Well, one of the things that did lead to this also was that so many people had left DC editorial, including, uh, I think I mentioned it here, uh, Pat McCallum, who actually was like, I think, editorial coordinator or editorial director or something of the DCU. He was like the number three. So there was Dan, there was, uh, there is Bob Harris, who's, is actually the editor. Right, but he's so well, invisible. Nobody, yes, that's true. It's like, you know, <laughs> I've forgotten he was still there. Well, I was at BEA last year and, and, uh, turned the corner and there was Bob Harris and I was so shocked because <laughs> he's really low uh, Are you still here? Yeah, there's Bobby Chase. Uh, she still works there. There's Marie Javins. Um, well, Pat left. Okay. He quit very suddenly and then uh, I hear the exit interviews were just you know yeah. devastating yeah. so um but um uh you see who else well, Hank Canals he's like a, a, a perennial name in there although he's kind of running oh, right. the operations yeah. side um hmm. 
there is, uh, well, you know, Jim Lee is sticking around mm-hmm. as the yeah. publisher. I'll tell you this, you know, Dan Dio, like Paul Levitz before him, are, were total hands-on micromanagers. Right. Jim Lee is not a micromanager. Yeah. He's not even that hands-on. He definitely loves to delegate stuff. You know, when he ran Wildstorm, he had a very strong editorial team, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, it's not. Um, uh, I'll say this. A lot of people have told me, that uh, as a micromanager, Dan didn't really groom anyone to be his successor. Um, and so, uh, you know, there were some of the folks in the wizard era, like Pat uh, McCallum again, but he's gone. Uh, there's Brian Cunningham, who also was from wizard. Um, you but he's know. gone now. Oh, no, no, no. I'm no, sorry. that's Pat. I'm thinking I think Smith. Brian is no, still I'm, there. No, no. I'm yeah. thinking about somebody. Entirely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so... Uh, you know, there's Marie Javens. She's been running in, like, new publishing initiatives. Uh, I mean, I love Marie. They should just make Marie the publisher. So that's my, that's my yeah, hat. But... That's the hat I'm back in. Um, but is there really anyone who wants to do this job? <laughs> wow, I don't <laughs> because, know. Because, because... This other, I mean, because there's a whole other cloud ho- hovering over yes. DC yeah. as well. So one I thing... Mean, about their very existence. Even yeah. wild rumors. Yes. Yeah, but those are from Ethan Van Skyver. Yeah, so, so, so yes, listeners, it... We'll just put the elephant into the room and stop pretending it's not there. Ethan Rinskyver alleges that he has sources that are telling him that if 5G, quote-unquote, doesn't work, that DC Comics is done forever. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've talked about this here. So, I mean, I'm not saying that Van Skyver is completely... No, no, not completely. You know, I mean, we, you know, we all say, like, there could be... Well, it used to be there was two doomsday scenarios. One was that they'd go all digital. But that's what? Digital doesn't work, so that can't happen. The other doomsday scenario is that they might license out all the publishing. Right. Either Marvel or DC could totally do that. Yeah. Disney could decide... You know, Disney just had a huge people of themselves, like Bob Iger stepped down yeah, earlier this week. Yeah. So... Yeah, and, um, and of course, in between these doomsday scenarios, there are far more likely ones of things like putting out half as many books, laying off half the staff. You know, yeah, but things I, that could happen. But I, Easy. I think, um, you know, I, I'm, I know for a fact I've said this on this podcast before, probably many times over the eight years we've been doing this. But everybody's like, where is the next Watchman? And, you know, and then I said, you already had the next Watchman. It was called DC Superhero Girls because it sold almost as well as, um, the original run of Watchmen, okay? Like these, you know, yeah, these, these but, YA, but I'm just saying these YA books are selling the, yeah, so, very well. Well, well I, I, I do think we should separate, uh, the business power, uh, the revenue end of the business they, you, where you constantly need new product and you need new readers and you need to generate sales and they haven't been doing girls and they needed to do that. Mm-hmm. So it was, it's transformative. But, I think when when they're talking about the next Watchmen, they're talking about what's the next great breakout literary, the uh, uh, monumental work that actually make, make, makes the industry stop and stare, and that's what Black Label was originally supposed well, to be. Well, they sure stared at that Batman, they, that well, Batman on or whatever it's called. We, we we hopefully to, to get their eyes above the belt <laughs> level. Uh, I, I mean, I still think DC needs that. I still think that that's an important. How do you, if, if it's possible to co- cultivate these kind of out, out of yeah. continuity classics, that's what it was supposed to be about. That's what it was supposed to be, uh, to attract writers. Uh, and, and that's another thing that's going on over DC, of course. And, and, and probably not just DC. Uh, writers from, well, from outside of the business who just can't wait to get their hands on these characters. Mm-hmm. So that's what Black Label was supposed to be, to create the next great, um, Watchmen or Dark Knight 
mm-hmm. or hush or or these works that somehow or other they kind of exist apart from continuity they don't have to they're indeed classics of a of a sort in american literature it's like you know like joker the movie i uh, mean yes, hey i, I thought yeah. it was pretty manipulative but i'm not going to deny that it wasn't yeah, very powerful what you it. haven't seen joker well you should see you guys should i should see it should, i, but, I haven't but, had but, a chance but, no, but just watch it when it's streaming don't yeah, pay any extra yeah, yeah. for it it's a been well, what's yeah. the next big movie coming up that we should be thinking about wonder woman 1984 yeah um so the trailer that was looks really interesting Made trailer I've yeah. seen Looks in great. a very oh, long time. Love, love, now, love, love. now I am a fan of really well-made trailers and credit and and credit sequences. And this one was cut perfectly. It it yeah, gave good. you an idea of what the plot was without giving everything away. The sinking to the music. Was yeah. glorious and heart pounding. Yeah, awesome. And it showed yeah. you, it gave you real Wonder Woman flavor that just yeah. made you remember why you love the character. Yeah. It's really what a trailer should do. And it gives you a peek at something that you really want to know more about the new costume. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some and new I mean, thing there I, that looked really. Listen, I was at Toy know, Fair and they yeah. had all kinds of Wonder Woman stuff. Also, yeah. they had, you know, Kristen Wiig Barbie dolls, man. That was, uh, <laughs> so, you know, never thought yeah. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Well, you know, listen, we have a lot of other things that we should, we meant to talk about and I think <laughs> we're, we're not I think we're out of time. <laughs> I think it did, like this is the episode where we talk about Dan the Dio yeah. and the bus. You know, it was exactly. worth it. It was. Sometimes it was. you just need to. It was cathartic cathartic yeah uh, sometimes you need to just devote a little time to a specific topic and uh, here well, we are seismic. listen I, I witnessed the history I did the listen no one is going to forget Dan Adia right. no absolutely. people remember my name remember <laughs> remember and remember, be, yeah, and remember. That, which of course means that there will always going to be um, a lot more to come 